0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Man, well, Good morning, church family. Happy Easter to you. And you know, one of our Prayers, prayer each week is that this place would be an outpost of heaven as we gather just to lift up the name of our Lord. And I received an email this week, really cool, just random person saying, hey, I'm praying for your church family this week. As you celebrate Easter, that you would have focus. And then they define focus, all eyes on Jesus. I, like, I love that. That's every week, Resurrection Sunday. We gather to, to fix our eyes on Him. And so thank you for being here. This is also a neat day in that we all It's like the whole family gets back together and gathers around the table, and so good to have students home from college, as well as those of you who may have been away, and if you're a guest, too, just a special welcome to you, and as Wes said, you are making our day being here, and we hope you feel at home, and just know that we're a bunch of imperfect people in love with a perfect God, and here to help each other with love, follow Him. And to live for His glory alone, like for something far bigger than than our little name, but to live for the glory of His name. And sometimes we think, you know what, I'll I'll go to church when I get my act together, but I can't go hang out with those people because they all have their acts together. And the opposite is true. We all come to church because we don't have our act together. We desperately need the grace of God and His help. And here's the crazy thing. the, The the place or the, the gathering on earth that he ordained his grace to flow is a bunch of broken people who love him and just gather to love each other. And, and he promises, I will build you up and help you become who I created you to become, do, who I, do what I created you to do as you gather. So that's our every Sunday celebration, and I hope you'll, you'll join us again next week. Well, today the message is entitled, When God Breaks the Script." When God breaks the script, the script is the way that we see life playing out. And as humans, we have this tendency, and, and it's a, a natural wiring, where we gather data from our experience, and then as we live life, we write the script the way we see it playing out. It's just uh, it's, it's a good thing, healthy thing. It's high, what we do. For example, when I was driving down Highway 40 this week, dying of hunger, I pulled into Little Caesar's Pizza to pick up Pizza Pizza. Thank you. We, we wrote the script. That's what you do when you pull in. Now, if I would have said, you know, I pulled into Little Caesars to pick up our lawnmower, I would have broken the script in a weird way. When God breaks the script. the uh, One more illustration, a story out of the book, uh, Chip and Heath, Chip and Dan Heath wrote the book, The Power of Moments. And they share the story of a mom and dad who, who arrived back from vacation. They had been in Florida with their little, uh, their young boy. And tragedy of tragedy, he left his stuffed giraffe named Joshie in Florida. And there was no sleeping without Joshie. So they had that ethical dilemma that parents often have. Do we throw some fiction out here just to get some sleep? Yep. So dad said, son, actually, Joshy's doing fine. He had so much fun in Florida. He wanted to stay a few extra days by the pool, sun surf, and what have you. So he's good. Well, the little boy was good with that. Fell asleep, and uh, and thankfully that evening, the Ritz Carlton called them and said, "Hey, good news. We found Joshy." Dad said, "Whoo! Thank you, thank you, thank you." But could I ask you for a big favor? Would you be willing to? I, I told my son this. So would you be willing to take a picture of Joshi by the pool? And the staffer said, yep, be happy to do that. Whew. So a couple of days later, here comes Joshy safely in this box, cardboard box, but not just a picture, but an album full of pictures. And Joshy wasn't just sitting by the pool. He was lounging on a chair with sunglasses. Another one had him in the security control room looking at the, the monitors. Another one, he's hanging out with the hotel parrot, having a good time. Uh, another one had him on a golf cart. Another one had him, actually, they had him in the resort spa with cucumber slices. <laughs> and then the moment, you can imagine how happy this little guy is to see Joshie having so much fun, but the mom and dad were blown away. And so the dad goes, goes and blogs on it, and it goes viral. And why do we love that story, and why did that go viral? It's because what, what do we expect to happen when a kid loses a stuffed animal? It's forever gone. Or best case, you know, they, somebody finds a box up, sends it back. But they broke the script. The staffer from Ritz-Carlton spent a couple hours golf carting all through the resort, taking these random pictures of this little stuffed giraffe. Broke the script. Well, today we get to watch God break the script. And we'll see it through the eyes of John, where he records three script-breaking moments, where we'll, we'll see in a, a group, or individuals, two individuals and then one group, they've already written the script of how they see life playing out. And then we get to watch God do what he does. And what we receive in these moments is a truth that we can carry with us, a truth to believe, a truth to celebrate, and then a truth to share with those around us. So we'll dig into it. John chapter 20 is where we'll be hanging out today. John chapter 20. As we turn here, this is, we're picking it up right where we left off last week, where Jesus' body had been wrapped by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And you can just feel the, the darkness of, of Friday and still hanging in the air. As the follow if you're a follower of Jesus right now, you're confused, your your mind's spinning, your your heart still hurting as you watched or um, heard what happened to the one that you love and the one that, that you're following. And so we'll pick it up there. John 20, verse 1 says, early. On the first day, now we know early the word there carries the idea of the, the watch the three to three a m to 6 a m watch so this was early, and it's the first day for them this was this was that Sunday resurrection uh, resurrection day for us. but early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalena. remember Mary was someone that had she had opened her her life up to the forces of darkness, the devil, and had been doing very bad things and Jesus set her free from that and had grace on her, but Luke 8, 7 and 8 um, described, now she's become a follower, and actually, you wonder where, like, how did uh, Jesus and his disciples fund the three-year ministry? She was one of the ladies that was behind actually funding this, her and several other ladies um, providing for the needs of our Lord, and she loved him, followed him, and it says, she went to the tomb. And saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. This is John. And don't you love how John describes himself as he writes this book? He's the one that Jesus loves. And she says, they have taken the the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So there she writes the script. That's her script. And it makes sense. They've stolen the body of our Lord. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is, J- John was probably younger than Peter, and what we hear, feel right here is just the intensity and the, it's like, this isn't just a let's jog together and chat as we go. This is, they're sprinting. Um, we can feel the, the anxiety that, that they're experiencing. And what's he do when he gets there? He bent over, looked in the tomb in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. The word to, uh, you might circle in your Bible, is looked. We'll come back to that word in just a minute. But he looks in, surveys it, but does does not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. You can see Peter's personality here. He charges in. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And again, the, uh, the word to circle here is Saul. We'll, we'll come back to that. So he, he sees the strips of linen, he sees the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, and the cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. So Let's zoom in on, on John right now. Where is he in this moment? He is in the tomb, all right? So can you just see what he's seeing? It's already dark outside, but now it's, it's really dark. You're in this dark, dingy, you're, you are in the tomb, smelling it, smelling death. I, I also just picture what death does to it. walled in, like you're not getting out of this place, right? Walled in by death death. He, he is in the tomb in this moment. Now what's his best case expectation in this moment? What's his hope? It, it, it best, the, the script he has written, what's he hoping for? This is where it gets good. Best case is what? Find a dead body. Right? Now here, this is where the truth is, is going to break and beautiful moment. The uh, what happens, verse nine. He's standing in the tomb, he saw and believed. They did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to had rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So he saw and believed. Question what did he believe? Did he believe Mary's script? She said, okay, somebody stole the body. So is that what he's believing? Yep, he's gone. No. What did he believe? If you roll back in the text, the the clue is found found in this word saw. But the first word, when he he stopped at the tomb and he looked, it's the word, different Greek word than than the word here. And it's the word to glance and just survey the scene. So that's the first word. So he stops, he looks. Now when Peter goes in, he goes in and John uses a different Greek word for the word saw. When Peter saw the linens and the stuff and the, it's the word used to describe the forensic look, the the look to investigate, where you take your time, you look around, you you really, okay. Mm, 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 mm. Now here's where it gets good. The word he uses here, this is John describing his experience is the word to see with understanding. It's a different Greek word than the previous two. It's to see and understand, meaning it is his, oh my, light bulb moment. Jesus was not stolen. He's alive. Now, what led him to that belief? And he's careful in the text to say, We didn't understand the scriptures were pointing towards this right now. Now, we know the two guys on Emmaus Road, Jesus talked them through the scriptures the next 40 days. Jesus went back to the Old Testament and anchored their faith in the prophecies that predicted him to die, to suffer, to be raised from the dead. The scripture is crucial to their faith, to our faith, and it is part of our apologetic, the reason by which we bank our lives on this truth. But at this point, it's not the scripture that causes him to believe. What is it? It's the stuff he saw, which was what? And if you look at the text, it says the cloth was still lying in its place. We lose the, the emphasis in the, the English, but it, the cloth, the, meaning the cloth that was wrapped around his head, was still in its place, meaning still wrap, literally rolled up in its folds, the same way it would have been rolled up around his head, which was tight because we know when the, he called Lazarus out of the tomb, you had to have somebody unwrap him. They, when you wrapped a dead person, you wrapped him tight. That cloth wasn't like taken off, wadded up, thrown aside. It was still the same way that it had been wrapped around his head when he was laying there. And it's that evidence, he says, the lights came on for me in that moment. He saw and believed. Now, here's where it gets good. Here's the truth, you guys. And this is the truth that that flows all throughout this story, actually throughout the whole story of the Bible. Here it is. When God breaks the script... With his unfailing love, he shatters our best case expectations with what is infinitely better. So where is is John standing? This is so good. He's in a tomb. Who owns, why the tomb? Death. And where is the most hopeless place on the planet? It's in a tomb. Walled in by death. The enemy of our soul leaving us right there. What's his best case expectation? Best case. To find a dead body. And when God breaks the script, what happens? John realizes not only is Jesus alive, but death has been defeated. The death that makes this tomb a necessity has been defeated, and Jesus is alive. Isn't that awesome? When God breaks the script, he shatters our best case expectation with, with what is infinitely better. And so what's the... The takeaway for you and me, and what's our response, the fitting response to this truth? John said it. He said in John, later on in John 20, I've written these things so that you would, you would um, see the signs and that you would believe, and by believing, you'd have life on his name. So the, the response is to walk into the tomb with John, into this, this tomb, this, this spot that death has created and death owns us in, and to believe that Jesus is alive and death has been defeated. Jesus took our sin to the cross, died in our place, and and then he said, death's not going to hold me. I'm going to get up in three days. John 2, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. He, He called it, he did it, and then he said, whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. Physically, spiritually, you are eternally alive. Jesus is alive. Death has been defeated. Isn't that awesome? That's our takeaway, to see and believe. And if you have not yet believed and looked at the evidence of Jesus Christ, I I just hope and pray and beg today that this Easter would be your day. Like John, you're standing in the tomb. Death's coming for us all. But there is hope, and our hope is in Jesus Christ. His resurrection, His death on our behalf, His resurrection, and when we believe, He promises, you will live. And so the... uh, Carrying on. Was that an amen I heard over here? Keep it coming. <laughs> the, uh... All right. Thank you. This is so good. I, I don't want to miss any of this. So we'll keep on. Uh... One more. Um... When death is, is messing with you, this is for those of us who have trusted Christ. I'm guessing most of us in here have come to faith in Christ. And, the pieces came together by God's grace, and you trusted him, and you're, you're walking with him. But death messes with us, doesn't it? It, it, it does. And confuses us, like what's going on, and it hurts. And so here's the, the other takeaway for those of you who know Christ. When death is messing with you, knocking on your door, coming for you or coming for someone you love, believe to the core of your being, Jesus is alive, and death has been defeated. I love the way that the writers describe these moments. The first creed, really, that we find in scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, and it says Jesus died according to the scriptures, was raised again according to the scriptures. And then it says um, he appeared to like 500 eyewitnesses, and some of whom have not yet fallen asleep. When the Bible talks about death, post-resurrection, he uses this idea of sleep. So therefore, when the enemy comes to you and you're looking at death and death starts messing with you and you're in the tomb thinking it's, and he starts saying it's over, it's the end, you can say, uh-uh, I have another script that I'm living by. God broke that script. The script I'm living by, death is just the last nap until resurrection morning, right? Death is just that last fall asleep in his arms, wake up to the great forever. Out from under the curse. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ, and to die is better. It's gain. So you can't spook me with death, confused. I'll cry, I'll shed a tear because I have to say goodbye for a little while. But my hope is secure because Jesus is alive. Death has been defeated. Amen. The, uh, so Peter and John, they take off. But Mary crumbles, and it's in her crumbling and and her sadness here that we see her love for the Lord. Verse 11, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels seated in white, or in white, seated where Jesus' body had been. One was at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She's still on the script. She says, they have taken away my Lord, she said, and uh, I don't know where they have laid him. And at this, she turned, turned around, she must have heard something behind her, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she still did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, same question, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? And thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. And I will get him. Where do we find Mary? What's her location right now? She's outside the tomb. She's in the, this garden that, that's a graveyard. And what's the state of her heart? And it's interesting. She's so sad that she can't even, like, two angels showing up don't even seem to phase her. And she doesn't recognize Jesus. It's early. It's dark. And, but through her tears, through her sadness, and I think through the script that she wrote, Despair has her right in the script. She's bought it, believed it. They've stolen Jesus' body. It's hard to, to see a, uh, it's hard to see anyone cry, but it's, it's hard to see a lady cry or someone we love, a lady that we love. I think one of my early memories is seeing my mom cry, and just remembering it messed me up a little bit as a kid, I'm, she, was, she was at the kitchen sink, washing dishes and just crying. like, "Mom, what's wrong?" And she was missing her mom, you know, death. And, and that separation, and Mary's there, her her heart is breaking, and part of her sadness here, as I was reading this, it was one of the prayers that came to my heart was, Lord, let me love you like she loves you, you know, her devotion to the Lord, she is just so in love with Christ, and they've taken it, and um, it's gone from bad to worse, and her heart is breaking. The uh, one but, but what God does, and he, he breaks her script. When God breaks the script, mm-mm, it's good. And he's about to do that. But before he does it, I there's something in this text that, that intrigued me. And it, this may or may not be, but I'll, I'll throw it out to you, and you can wrestle with it a little bit too. Why does John spill the ink to say, woman, why are you crying twice? The angels ask that question. Jesus asks that question. And it's an odd question because the angels know her name. Jesus knows her name, right? Why don't they say Mary? And why do they go after the tears? And as I stopped and thought about that, when did the woman start crying? It was Eve. In a garden, meant to be paradise, but because of sin, relationship with God broken, relationship with Adam broken, and her own boy killed her other boy. Cain killed Abel over envy. And who stood at the the gate of Eden? It was an angel blocking the way so they could not go and eat the tree of life. Who did God put in the tomb? Two angels, one at one end of the where Jesus was, one at the other end. What's your mind go to immediately if you've studied scripture? The Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. There was a cherubim at one end of the ark, a cherubim at the other, and God said, I will meet with you between those two angels. That was the mercy seat of God where we relationships were restored. But she's looking there, and there's no, mercy's gone. Mercy's been stolen. But what do we know? Mm-mm, mercy's on the move. And mercy has never been closer, and mercy is about to get busy wiping away the tears of Eve and every other woman who has cried under the curse. I think when Jesus is saying, woman, why are you crying? He's saying something to the forces of darkness who caused the woman to cry. And he's about to say, I'm about ready to get busy wiping away every tear. And I'm going to start it. It's going to end in Revelation, new heaven, new earth, where he says, I will wipe away every tear. No more death, no more painting, no more. But this is a moment, I believe Isaiah 25, 7 foreshadows, as Isaiah says, on this mountain, Calvary, he will destroy, speaking of God, the cloud or the shroud that enfolds all people, which is death. The sheet that covers all nations, that white sheet that we put up over people when they're gone, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tear, or tears from all faces, and he will remove, remove his people's grace disgrace. Amen. So I, I think that's what's going on in this moment. But um, back to the, the moment where he breaks the script. Mary is thinking um, they've taken his body, and watch what, he, watch what happens here. With the word, Jesus breaks the script, her script. There in verse... Uh, Sixteen. It says Jesus said to her, Mary. And she hears the voice of perfect love. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means teacher. And between this verse and the next verse, I'm sure they had some talks and there was hu- some hugging going on. Finally, Jesus says, "Do not hold on to me, for I have yet to ascend to the Father." Go instead to my brothers. First time he calls the, his followers brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Truth. When God breaks the script with his unfailing love, our best, he shatters our best case expectations with what is infinitely better. What was Mary hoping for She's sinking in a puddle of tears, and her best case expectation, her script, if it all goes as good as she can think it to go, is to find a dead, the the body of the one she loves. But what does she discover instead? When God breaks the script, she discovers that the one she loves is alive, but even better, he's never been closer to her. God is close to the brokenhearted, and he has never been nearer to her. Mary, Mary, I'm here. Isn't that good? And so how, what's our takeaway as we api- apply this truth to our lives? It's this. In those moments when we're suffering under the curse and we do cry tears of, of hurt and pain, and we see the script of our life being dark and basically it's over, to call this truth to mind, Jesus is alive and he has never been closer, to bring comfort to me. The resurrection does not promise a perfect life or a pain-free life. In fact, the resurrection, Jesus promised us you're going to have troubles, but what's he promised in our troubles? I will never leave you, never forsake you. One thing that, that you will never not have, and that is my comforting presence with you. Truth. When God breaks the script, in His unfailing love, with His unfailing love, He shatters our best-case expectations with what is infinitely better. The, uh, so Mary, He says, Mary, go, um, tells her to go let the, let the uh, disciples know I'm ascending. It's interesting, He doesn't say, go tell them I'm alive. He's, he's like, no, go tell them that, that I'm ascending. The, the program's moving on, God's plan's moving on. I'm about to leave And so Mary does it. She said, Mary went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that that he had said these things to her. And then on the evening of the first day of the week, so it's still the resurrection Sunday, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And this is the important scene to see in that location. Where are they? They're in, probably in the upper room. Good news, they're gathering together. Good, good place to be. But what is the atmosphere in their, their room and in their hearts? And it's fear. And so it's ha- it has them locking the doors. So they're, they're up in this room, probably eyes getting big every time they hear horses rolling down the road. And then when they're by, we made it again. And so what's their best case expectation? Best case right here in their minds? Survive the threat, right? Survive this thing. We're just hoping. Lock that door. If we have somebody grab a chair, let's put it up under the door handle. You know, bar that door. Let's just survive the threat when God breaks the script. In a carrying on there. it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his, his hands and his side. And like, it's me. They saw him. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus says, peace be with you, says it twice. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is foreshadowing what would happen about a month later at the day of Pentecost when everyone who believes in Jesus receives his empowering presence. And then he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And this was not to mean that they had the power to forgive sins, but God was giving them the gospel, the good news, the means through which sins would be forgiven, and they were to share that with, with everyone. And uh, as people believe in this good news, that they would receive the forgiveness of sins. So it, the, the the truth here is, uh, and, and can you imagine this moment that uh, I, I picture Peter, you know, After Jesus leaves, saying, all right, guys, do you realize what just happened here, fellas? And walks over to the door and click, 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 pulls the chair away, (laughs) opens up that door, and he goes, guys, not only is Jesus alive, he hasn't called us to survive this threat. He's called us to eliminate the threat. We're sitting here, best case expectation, hoping not to die. Doors locked, we've got to protect ourselves, protect ourselves. When he breaks the script, guys, I'm alive and I'm, here's my peace. Here's your purpose. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Here's my power, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Go like light in the darkness. Don't hide behind locked doors. Open up those doors and take my light. To where it is darkest. Boys, the revolution is still on. (laughs) Let's go find some darkness. Right? Totally breaks the script. And so what's our application today? Same thing. What's the enemy's number one weapon? Fear. Do we worry about being crucified and losing our lives? Not, Not right now. What's our big fear? Fear of rejection. Fear of reputation. Social Whatever, you know, what are they going to think? Going to lose my reputation. Fear of loss. Fear of, uh, and and here he's saying, you don't need to worry about that. Believe, I'm alive. I am with you. We know even in these moments, he is obviously present. He says, I'm giving you my peace. When you get those scary moments, my peace is yours. But I've called you to go take this message of hope and love, the gospel, share it with boldness. Go be light in the darkness. Go bless, as I've called you to go bless. Breaks the script. When God breaks the script with his unfailing love, he shatters our best case expectation with what is infinitely better. So you have the disciples, best-case expectation to survive the threat. They discover Jesus is alive, and he's commissioned us to go eliminate the threat. You have Mary, best-case expectation to find the body of the one she loves and discovers he's alive and he's right behind me, never been closer to comfort me in these moments. And then you have John, best-case expectation, standing in a tomb, hoping to find the body of his leader, only to find out he's alive, and this death, it's been defeated. Confused in a tomb, crying in a graveyard, shaking with fear behind locked doors, when God breaks the script. (laughs) These have been written. This has been written. These signs have been written for us today so that we will believe and then in believing have life in his name. And so today, what's the next step for you and for me as we respond to this truth? And today, if very possibly you're here and you, you haven't received the gift of salvation or believed in Jesus as the, as the Messiah, the Son of God, who died for you and, and rose from the dead, and maybe you're like John, you're in the tomb, and uh, it's like, oh my, you're starting to see the pieces come together, and this is your light bulb moment, and if if that's you, you're response is believe and receive the, the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And many of us in here have received this gift and know this life. A life it's, eternal life is not just duration of life, but living in relationship with our, our Creator, our God, and experiencing His peace, joy, hope, and all that comes with that. And I invite you and, and plead with you to, to receive His gift. That's His invitation for you today. Believe. For most of us, I think, who have believed, perhaps um, the response for, for you is, is Mary's. Mary was a fully devoted follower, but she was, despair had written her script, and she had believed the script that despair had written, and she couldn't see the hope that God had given her. And maybe that's you today, and you're struggling through, the tears are flowing, and it's I I don't get it, and you don't see the way out, and the word from God today is believe that Jesus is alive, never been more alive, powerful. He's alive. He's near you, and he is near you to wipe away your tears and turn to him. Bring him your hurt. He is present. And he will see you through. His comforting presence is a reality that, that no, it's truth so believe that, run to him. And then third, for those of us who maybe you've uh, become disillusioned a bit, or uh, in terms of living out your life mission, maybe fear is threatening to, to keep you from, I know when you get out, like, out to your job on Mondays and we, we get out in the world and life just starts coming at us, all of a sudden God can seem very unreal. And people around us get very real, and fear can mess with us in terms of being a bold witness or being the blessing that God's called us to be. And today, the message of, uh, of John is remember, 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 I'm alive, Jesus is saying, I'm alive. And my peace is yours, and I have sent you, we are sent people, people to be on the move, engaging the darkness, don't be afraid, I'm alive, my peace is yours, your purpose is clear, and... Uh, So go bless. And maybe today you just feel God recommissioning you to get back in the game one more week, to go be a blessing. When God breaks the script with his unfailing love, he shatters our best case expectations with what is infinitely better. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for preserving these moments for us today. Thank you for just building our faith in this and and for allowing John to write these things down. And Lord, I thank you for the moments that you broke the script in our own lives. And I just lift up each of my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, if there's someone who hasn't trusted you as Savior, would you give them the grace now just to believe, even to put the stake in the sand. And as Romans, uh, 10 calls us to to confess that you are Lord, to believe in their heart that that you raised Jesus from the dead and to receive eternal life. Lord, I pray for those of us today who are hurting and pray that you would just uh, help us to turn to you, to look into your eyes, to hear you call us by name to know that that your comforting presence is the treasure of life and to rest in that. Lord, I pray for us all as a faith family that as we uh, hear your commission again to go, to be sent, that you would give us courage knowing that you are alive, knowing that we have your peace, your power, your purpose. Lord, we pray as we all go out into our various relationships this week, jobs and school and just wherever you take us, that we would be light in the darkness. Lord, thank you for breaking the script of despair, death, confusion, fear in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.